Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of A Good Drop. And this week, we are going into the party scene of drinking, slightly going slightly irresponsible, and talking about drinking games. Yes, because the most responsible thing you can do when it comes to irresponsible things is to learn about them. <laughs> yeah, and drinking games are part of a, a huge part of drinking culture, so it would be remiss of us to not talk about it. So here we are. I'm Stu. I'm Michael. Cheers. Cheers. Drink. <laughs> so, games. Yeah, they've been. I mean, you, you won't believe how long they've been around for. I, you'd probably be. You probably wouldn't be surprised. Actually, they've been around for over two thousand years. Mm, since well, since the Greeks, which makes perfect sense because they did love to drink. Mm. Although we did find evidence of the Chinese with uh, drinking games back in the 11th century BC, mm, even which, earlier yeah, than the Greeks. does predate the drinks from the Greeks ever so slightly. Mm. But certainly the European drinking games, which seems to be where that culture has really taken off yeah, like and led to, you know, drinking contests, which is totally a thing. <laughs> and I don't just mean like with mates at a bar. I mean like international competition level Drinking. Olympic-level drinking. Yeah. Which just blows my mind. Like, oh, this athlete can drink better than this athlete. Like, my my finest soldier can drink better than your finest soldier. Yeah. And, (laughs) you know, and it comes down to even things where it's just a drinking challenge. And admittedly, one of the, well, I won't say more modern, but I suppose compared to the really old ones, it is more modern, The Boot, which still exists in drinking competition to this day, yeah. is The Boot. The Boot. And for those of you who haven't heard of The Boot, The Boot is a thing originating from Germany, which mm. is a glass shaped like a boot. Yeah. And it's the end. It's at the end of a boat race, usually. <laughs> uh, a boat race being... Seeing uh, who can drink their way down a row of beers the most quickly, and whoever reaches the end first wins. But the final leg of the boat race is literally a boot. The final leg. <laughs> yeah, the, the final leg is a boot. Well, a glass shaped like a boot. Yeah. And the boot is a challenge because if you do it wrong, you get an air bubble caught in the toe of the boot. And it doesn't come down right. So there's a technique to it where you have to sort of drink it and then twist the glass towards the end Mm. because it's wider one way than the other. So the easiest way to drink it is toe up. But with the toe up, you get an air bubble. Yes. With the toe down, you get an air bubble. So you have to twist it sideways towards the end. Of course, because if it's toe down, there a bunch of, like a lot of beer gets stuck in the toe. And so you... You can tip it up and then you tip it up and then suddenly it all comes and gives you a a, a beer shampoo. Yeah, exactly. So that's <laughs> that's one of the more modern drinking challenges in competitive drinking is the boot. So and if you've seen the movie Beer Fest, then you'll have seen the boot and had an explanation of the boot and seen a boat race. And if you don't know, despite our well, despite our uh, best efforts to describe it to you, if we've not done it well enough, we, we know you can't see it. <laughs> but if you want to see it, watch Beer Fest. 
Mm. It's it, it's not the best movie in the world, but as far as learning about competitive drinking, it's a comedy and it's not dreadful. It does actually have a slightly informative nature to it mm. if you want to learn about competitive drinking. And we don't... Because competitive... Because drinking games are irresponsible, we do not recommend doing these. I mean, they're fun, but we can't condone such behavior i guess yes because that would be irresponsible of us yes don't try anything you hear us mention at home unless you're an adult and you want to because it's your choice yeah i mean we can't stop you yes (laughs) so so the early one of the earliest recorded drinking games is from china as i said is it was discovered or the earliest written records are have it mentioned the earliest written records have it mentioned between the 11th century and the 8th century BC in mainland China in the uh, Zhu dynasty. It's called uh, Zhu Ling. I've probably butchered that pronunciation. I'm sorry. Uh, it is uh, Most types of Zhu Ling are uh, separated into... Well, it's separated into two categories. You've got the common version and you've got the lit- literary version. So with the common version, you have... Uh, It's a fairly simple game, which involves each player taking a turn and then taking a drink. What exactly the players did uh, depends on who was there. Uh, They could tell a story or a joke or have some sort of contest where the loser would drink, like rolling dice or guessing fingers were quite popular. And then you've got the the literary version, which was mostly uh, played by the upper class, the, the educated masses. The, the educated half of the population, the the royalty, as it required an education. Uh, it was very, very, very similar, except it included uh, riddles, poems, idioms, and so on. Uh, and uh, it was typically practiced by intellectuals who considered the common dueling to be vulgar. Yeah. And, Tasteless, um, tacky. Yeah. And that version... Funnily enough, increased in popularity and by the Tang Dynasty was, I think, more common than the original. But I imagine that through that length of time, more people knew how to read. And mm-hmm. thus, the more the written version was easier to do. And it would do things like saying somebody would draw a lot from a canister and it would say not only who should drink like the youngest person or the last person to join the game or the person who is running the game, mm-hmm. but it would also say how much they should drink. Ooh. And uh, it got so serious that they would actually put on referees, someone who was not competing in the game, but their whole purpose there was to be a registrar of the rules. Wow. And they would have a silver flag to toss down on calling offences of breaking the rules. <laughs> and there was a final referee whose entire job was to rule on whether or not somebody would suffer a third offence. And if somebody did suffer a third offence, or if a guest was considered a coward for dropping out of the game, <laughs> they might not be invited back for further drinking bouts. Wow. How about that? It got very competitive. Yeah. It got very competitive indeed. So, as we mentioned, the Greeks were a close second for the oldest drinking games recorded with a drinking game called Kotobos. Yeah, and uh, it came into existence around the uh, 5th to 4th century BC. And um, 
was a game you would probably not want to play these days because of the cleanup. It's very messy. <laughs> it involved tossing the the dregs or a little bit of wine at a target from a a large flat bowl. Yeah, as you call it a a what they called a a kylix or kilix kilix. I'm not actually sure how Greek pronunciation methods go. Um, it, it had it, it had a wide and shallow body similar to a bowl and handles on each side. Handles on each side. The thrower would uh, take the kylix by one handle and use an overhand technique to cast the dregs. Uh, the kylix also featured an almost flat circular center called a tondo. This area was often decorated with vulgar or humorous drawings that became more visible as the wine disappeared. One well-preserved example shows a man wiping his butt. <laughs> because the, the Greeks were all about nudity and yeah, oh free, yeah. freedom of your own body, freedom of expression. Mm, they they were indeed, and that certainly uh, was a thing that carried across quite well to their drinking games. And naturally, that spread throughout Europe. There was uh, something in um, Ireland and uh, the UK known as a wager cup which had a large silver cup and a small free-swinging cup attached to the well top or bottom side of it, depending on how you chose to hold it, where there would be liquid placed in both, and you had to drink out of the large cup without spilling anything from the smaller cup, the smaller cup, you know, free-hanging within it with um, you know, sort of screws or something. To so that it would swing and balance so that it should be right way up no matter how you held the cup. And if you spilled any, then you had to, I think, have an extra drink or something, if I remember correctly? Um, well, I'm, I'm trying to visualize this cup because it's... I haven't quite got the, the image in my head yeah, yet. I'm not explaining it particularly well. Maybe you can explain it better. I mean, I know you, you guys can't see it, but I'm showing the picture to, oh. to Stuart at the moment so that he can... I- Hopefully explain it better. I just sort of started to consider that because initially I thought it was a uh, a cup within a cup and you had to try and drink the bigger cup without drinking the little cup. But no, that makes a lot more sense. Um, so, yeah, if upside down, it looks like, or with a little cup at the top, it's, it's a... a impression of a, a woman holding a, a jug or a cup above her head and her skirt feature uh, is turned into a another cup yeah so if you flip her upside down you have the main cup on top and the the little cup on the bottom on the bottom yeah and so the the idea is to drink drink the wine out of the the skirt cup without uh tipping the other cup the wrong way and having the wine spill out of the uh, wine spill out of the, the cup that she's holding above her head. Yes, exactly. Or I suppose the cup that is suspended below her head if you're trying to drink out of the skirt. It will be below at that point, yeah. Yes. And the the participants had to drink all of the, the wine in the skirt cup without spilling any from the pail. If they succeeded, they got to drink from the pail as well. Uh, and it was also... Um, but before they used it as a drinking game, it was used in 
weddings in 16th century German weddings where the the groom would have to toast by drinking from the skirt cup without trying to without spilling any wine from the pivoting bowl uh, from which the bride then had to had to drink uh-huh so the plot thickens plot thickens it honestly doesn't look that challenging to drink out of no but it, it doesn't but I'm sure there were w- ways of manufacturing or uh, forging this silver cup to make it more difficult. Well, and I, I would expect that potentially by the time someone reaches the point in the evening where they're drinking from the wager cup, <laughs> they may have already had quite a few drinks at the reception. Mm, that is very true. And without a steady hand, it would be a bit more difficult because yeah. you'd need to do it slowly. And from a certain direction too, because the, the hands form a, a swivel. And if you obviously, if you hold the cup the wrong way, that swivel is going to be not working. It's only sw- going to swivel on one axis, and if you're holding it sideways, it's going to It's spill. not going to do it, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, I, ca- I kind of want carefully. one because the, the photo you showed me was quite nice. Yeah, they, they look pretty impressive. Yeah. And uh, I guess now we should talk about some the different types of drinking games, perhaps. So I don't mean different drinking games, I mean different types, because you've got... Drinking games of skill, drinking games of speed. Drinking games of chance. Yeah, drinking games of chance. And just plain old beat-em-up drinking games. <laughs> yeah. And, of course, there is the more recent movie variety of drinking game where and I guess we should start with that because it's the most recent. Let's work backwards instead of working forwards. And, well, that also applies to the drinking game I'm hoping our dear listeners are currently playing because there was a, a little tidbit... A, a portion episode or a rules episode which we uploaded uh, halfway through the week with some rules for drinking along today. Yes, yeah, so if you are playing Drink Along with a Good Drop, you are playing a version of, of what we're about to talk of to. Of what we're about to talk to, which is where you listen to a thing or watch a thing and there are rules associated with it. There is, for example, an ACDC Thunderstruck drinking game. Mm. where you listen to Thunderstruck and when the first time they say thunder, the first person starts drinking and then and everybody's in a circle and when they say thunder again, the next person starts and the first person stops. (laughs) And so you have to drink until they say thunder and then the next person goes and you stop Mm. and around it goes until the song is over, which is nowhere near as challenging as the Expendables movie drinking game (laughs) with the very basic rule that if somebody dies, you drink. Which oh, doesn't dear. sound like much unless you've seen The Expendables. Well, the the title should be a giveaway. People are expendable. Yes. <laughs> the, uh, other common drinking games are the, are the Firefly drinking game, where people drink every time they say shiny or a memorable quote. Mm, and of course, there's drinking games based on entire film franchises, like the Lord of the Rings drinking games. Mm. Where you drink whenever Sam and Frodo give each other a romantic look. <laughs> or uh, whenever there's a shot of walking. <laughs> or there's a a, a a walking montage, yeah. Or a... Um, what's another one? Or every time, the, every time Sting glows. Yeah. And of course, the Archer drinking game is, oh dear. Uh, is a popular one with... <laughs> I believe part of it is uh, phrasing, 
and Lana. And that's how you get ants. And that's how you get ants. Well, that, that's Danger only in a couple zone. of episodes, but... It is. Yeah. It is. So, those those are quite popular. They're kind of like a, a, a trivia drinking game almost. Yeah, all, almost. Because the rules are created by somebody who knew the franchise so well. Mm. And has a bunch of friends who love the franchise. And they generally know what they're in for before they start playing. Yeah. Yeah, I've played a few... I've, Definitely played a few of those. I think mm. one of them was actually at your place, a Lord of the Rings drinking game. Yes. Oh, I just got reminded about another one that's very popular around Christmas time or Halloween, where you put a hat on the corner of your TV and every time someone wears the hat, you take a drink. Oh, yes. I'm familiar with that one. Yes. <laughs> but I thought that was hilarious the first time I saw it because someone had a Santa hat in the corner of the TV. I was like, what is that for? And they said, oh, you... you Take a drink every time. Every time someone's wearing the hat, <laughs> yeah, which I suppose would happen more often than you would expect. Yeah, because you always a, a lot of a lot of movies, a lot of TV shows have that, or a lot of live action uh, TV shows and movies have that over the shoulder shot. Yeah, where there's somebody in the top corner of the screen and they're mm. going to wear the hat. Yeah, yeah, it, it sounds funny, but it makes sense. Yeah, and I suppose now we move towards the. Um, the random chance drinking games, things that involve cards and dice. Mm, pyramids, King's Cup, uh, Three Man. Yep, three Man being one of the older dice mm, games. Medieval Europe. And that one's from from uh, the 10th century, I believe. Mm, and with very simple rules, which is just that everybody rolls dice until somebody rolls a double three. And then that person becomes the Three Man. Mm. And then every time someone else rolls a three, the person who is three man drinks until a ne- until the next person rolls a double three, and then they become the three man. Yeah, which is uh, you know very simple, but gets you messed would, up. Would get you pretty messed <laughs> up. Yeah, much uh, much like you know King's Cup or Ride the Bus or Pyramids. Yeah, and uh, then we've got the skill based. Drinking games. Mm. Those are really popular in colleges and universities. Things like uh, beer pong or battle shots or chess shots. Yeah. Yeah, battle shots, shot chess, shot checkers. Mm. And they're a lot of fun to play. There's a, there's a sense of anticipation, a, a, a tension building up from whether, you're, whether or not you bounce the ping pong ball into the, the jug or the, the cups that are set up like a pyramid. Yeah, and then, of course, there's a lot of different variety in the rules for, mm. for beer pong. It's played in so many different places that there's so many different versions. And uh, then, of course, uh, technology has come in and made variants itself as well where there is now a version of beer pong where instead of using one long table and bouncing the ball, Mm. you use two short tables and instead of having the beer cups directly on the table, they're sitting on an electronic vacuum. (laughs) they're, They're sitting on a robot vacuum like a Roomba or something. And it's moving about on the table using its edge, edge detection to not fall off. And there are less cups. I hadn't heard about this one. But they're moving. <laughs> and you have to get it on the full. Wow. I don't... I think my room is a little... Uh, my my room is not flat on top. My, my RoboVac is not flat on top. So I don't think it'd work. 
Mm, but yeah, you get a, a flat one. Yeah, like an iRobot or yeah, a Hoover. From from what I've known, they generally fit three or four of the big red putty cups <laughs> on them, which is you know not nearly as many as normal. No, but, but it's, with a moving target, it's harder. It's harder. Yeah, mm. <laughs> I like it. We'll have to give that a go sometime. Um, but we don't recommend it. No, and uh, then I guess we have the speed related games with things like we mentioned earlier with uh, well flippy cup where mm-hmm. you drink your drink then put the cup face down on the edge of a table and flip it over so that it lands upright upright and if it doesn't land upright you gotta uh, try again put it back upside down and flick it until you get it right yeah and it's a race between two teams yeah and this is one of the sports played at drinking contests at you know drinking sports Right. Where you drink, you put the cup, you flip the cup, and whoever, you know, you'll have a team of three, four, maybe even five people, mm. and whichever team finishes first wins. But what do you win? What does the other person have to do? No, you just win. Oh. Because it's a sport, and winning is, you know, it's all about winning. Right. Not about uh, having extra things to drink. Well, because at that point, you've already drunk many things, <laughs> and chances are you're following that with a boat race or something. Ah, yes. And the boat race. Boat race is a, a speed drinking game. How fast can you drink? Yeah, and you literally just slam it down as quick as you can and then upturn the cup onto your head to show that not everybody does that, but it shows that it's empty. Mm. Because if you end up with a head covered in beer, it was not <laughs> empty. And, and you've been punished enough. <laughs> yeah. And then you have drinking games which are just about the atmosphere, like the Century Challenge. There's no skill or speed or knowledge needed. Well, it's that's just it's an endurance style drinking game. Yeah, where you gotta just see how long you can last. Yeah, see if you can make it. And the Centurion Challenge, for those of you playing at home who may not be aware, is where you drink one shot of beer every minute for 100 minutes. So we we did the math on that and worked out that it's roughly 10 stubbies. Yeah, which doesn't sound like that many. Like, you could totally drink 10 stubbies or 10 bottles of beer in an evening. But in an hour and a half... That's where it becomes challenging. Yeah. And not only that, you're drinking it in shot size bites. It becomes surprisingly hard to do because of the, the air, the act of drinking it all the time. And Yeah, so they say by about shot 70, it becomes difficult and you know drinking beer at the best of times can cause you to be gassy Mm. and that i would guess by shot 70 would be one of the issues yeah and you've also got well you've also got the the beer burp where you um burp foam up Mm. that that's not pleasant i've had that happen Ah, i had a corona and i sat down too fast oh right (laughs) so like smacking the beer bottle on the top yep (laughs) But it was smacking you on... Yeah I, yeah, I sat down, shook up. You know how Coronas are like super duper fizzy? Ugh. So I did that. I, I, I slammed down a Corona for a, a, a drinking game and I flopped down in the couch. And that was the bad idea. Okay, so I guess we've, we've mentioned quite a few drinking games. Let's also talk about the drinking game hybrids. Because that's mm. also... oh. It just occurred to me there was something we missed in games of skill, which we really mm-hmm. should mention because we talked about uh, 
Beer pong. Beer pong. But we forgot about the thinking drinking games. Ooh. Things like Buzz, where oh, yeah. you'll have a number and somebody will pick a number. And depending on who you're playing with, it may just be the same number every time, or it could work its way around the circle with each person picking a number, generally between three and eight or something. Yeah. And then that number can't be said. So you would go one, two, buzz. But it's not just that you can't say three. You can't say, if you want to play by really complex rules, you can't say multiples of that number or numbers that contain that number. Oof. Which so would it'd mean, be one. So it would be one, two. two. So, well, we'll do an example. Mm. So. so it would be one, two, buzz, three. Shit. <laughs> Four. Five. Buzz. Seven. Eight. Buzz. Ten. Eleven. Tw- Damn it. <laughs> yeah, so that's a thinking game, which means the more rounds you play, the harder it gets because the person who stuffs it up has to drink. Has to drink. So I would have just had two drinks. Yeah. Because I keep forget. I keep thinking about don't say three, don't say three, don't say three. Oh, six is not a six is not a not a three. Six. Oh, wait. <laughs> yeah, and it so it gets difficult with the really difficult with the lower numbers. But even on something like seven, it mm. can be quite tricky because you've got enough of a gap that you can become complacent. Yeah, you, you, people build up a rhythm in their head. Yeah, yeah, and then you end up with someone buzzing fourteen, and then you've got fifteen, sixteen, but then you have to buzz seventeen as well because it's got a seven in it. Mm, and generally, buzz-teen. somebody will say it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so that's skill and thought. Mm. How how clear are you thinking? And yeah. of and of course, alcohol reduces your your capacity for logic. So after as you keep drinking, the worse you're going to get. Yeah, which you know comes across to things like shot chess and battle shots as well. For sure. Which I guess brings us to um before we revisit what I briefly mentioned before about about combination drinking games is the store-bought drinking game. Yes. Because while you can do battle shots yourself just by getting a couple of pizza boxes and a marker... And And some shot glasses. And some shot glasses, you can also buy battle shots and you can buy shot chess. And shot checkers. And uh, one of the the games that I've bought is Suddenly Drunk. That's... But it's a, a addition to drinking games. You play it on top of whatever game you're currently playing. Yeah, so they're, they're cards that you add to something else. Hmm. And um, I've even got uh, one that I acquired called Shots and Ladders, which is Snakes and Ladders, but with shots. And whenever you get bumped backwards, you drink your shot and refill it. Hmm. And of course, that involves... Uh, th- these bought ones are generally a combination. They're... The skill type or the luck type. Or a bit of both. Or a bit of both. Yeah. They're, they're really good fun to play. And the people have thought quite thought about the, the rules quite a lot. So they're, they're well worth it if you like playing board games. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. or card games, as the case may be, with yeah. Suddenly Drunk. But they, I mean, they can get a bit complicated sometimes. Oh, like, yes. Like all board games. Hmm. Yeah, and even I suppose the it gets more complicated when you take the rules of something that's not particularly simple, like King's Cup 
or or ride the bus. Mm. And then you turn them into a combination drinking game of Ride the King's Bus. <laughs> oh, dear. Where you play Ride the Bus with King's Cup rules. Wow. That sounds messy. Yeah, and yeah. there's there's a number of combination games like that where people have taken two different drinking games and mixed them together. And here I was thinking uh, the, the combination drinking games were going to be King's Cup because it's a... Got a bunch of rules. Bunch well, of that is well. It it is, I suppose, the simplest form of combination drinking game, because each card has its own mini drinking game attached to it. Yeah, you've got well, like waterfalls or uh, truth or dare, or the rules change so much that uh, every every party I've been to has had a different set mm, of rules, a different version. Yeah, I mean, there's a few that seem to be quite popular but of course this is in australia and i know that americans have different versions of king's cup oh for sure and there's probably different versions in the uk as well but i know we a general staple rule here in australia is never have i ever is always in there somewhere Mm, and categories too yeah it tends to be attached to something and often a rhyme a rhyming game tends to be included Mm. as being attached to one of the cards. There's always something to make guys drink. There's always yeah. something to make girls drink. And things that involve uh, one person doing an action and the last person who notices this action drinks, like Thumbs or Vikings, where you say, with Thumbs, the, f- the person who draws a card puts a thumb on the table and the f- last person to to notice this and also put a thumb on the table drinks. Yeah. And, um, of course, there's... With um, Ride the Bus, you've got drink allocation, which yeah. also comes into King's Cup in to a lesser extent, but mm. is a very heavily used mechanic of yeah. Ride the Bus, where that's basically what the whole thing is about, right. is that you've got a hand of cards, and they pop up onto the table, and if you've got one, you play it. And depending on what position it's come out on the table, you get that number of drinks to allocate. Mm. And then at the end, it becomes a guessing game. Who's got what's left? Yeah. Who is going to allocate the most drinks? Who knows? We'll find out. You'll find out if you play. Yes. Absolutely, you will. And uh, if you've been... If you've been playing along with us, if you've been drinking along with a good drop... Send us an email with how many drinks you had to drink this episode. Uh, Our email address is agooddrop at gmail.com. Yeah, and uh, if you liked this episode and want to share it with some other people, if you'd like them to drink along with a good drop with you... Smash that subscribe button. Smash that subscribe button and... uh, Direct your friends to our website, agooddrop.com.au. Yeah, hit us up on your favorite podcast app, uh, Spotify, Podbean, Google Play Music, Apple Podcasts, uh, iTunes, whatever you whatever you use. You can find us as A Good Drop All About Alcohol. Look, and for, look for that beer icon. Yeah, and if you'd uh, like to find us on the socials to comment or like or leave some more suggestions or direct your friends to our socials then you can we are a good drop all about alcohol on facebook and instagram Hmm. so next week 
All right. So next week, what are we what are we talking about next week? So we are going to be talking about sangria. Mm. I haven't had sangria in a long time. Yeah, I, I don't think I have either. And while it's uh, typically a cool summer drink, yeah, this is definitely the wrong weather for sangria <laughs> in we, Australia. Yeah. It's, yeah, the wrong weather for it where we are, but it's probably the right weather for it for those of you listening elsewhere. In the Northern Hemisphere. Yeah. Summertime. And the sangria comes easy. I don't know. Tune in next week to hear all about that. So, until next time. Cheers. Cheers.